Yeah, so we're starting a new series, series today. It's going to run for a couple of weeks called Heroes of the Faith. And we're going to get into it a lot, a lot more, a lot later. But really, it's just around the idea of ordinary people becoming heroes of the faith through their extraordinary responses to God. And I honestly believe that every one of us are, are capable, have the potential of becoming a hero of the faith. More of that in a few moments' time. <clears throat> this last week, as John said, on Thursday was the 20-year anniversary of us moving into this church building. For those that don't know, our previous church building is where BP is across the road. And uh, <clears throat> the one, in fact, the one driveway just to the left of BP is still the original driveway from our church. But the move from that building to this building was genuinely an epic moment in the, in the story of our church. Um, if anybody was part of it, they, they'll remember that as a, a super, super exciting event. Um, it was symbolic of so much blessing from God. And I think that's the truth of it. The symbolism of the move here was just profound. It was beautiful. And we absolutely loved, loved that moment. For months in our last building, we had hit capacity, if not for years. Um, way beyond any safety measures. I think if a safety officer had walked into our church in those days, it would have been a scary moment. People were sitting around everywhere. P the, the pews, if you want to go have a look at the old pews there in the chapel next door, the pews were jam-packed. The floor was full of people. Even when I was preaching, sometimes I could have stepped to the side and stood on a kid. That's how jam-packed the church was. If it seemed... For a period of time that everything we touched as a church, God just wanted to bless. You know, alphas were phenomenal. Um, at Ed Booth's house, the young adults' alphas, sometimes between 80 and 90 people att attending those alphas. Prayer meetings, massive prayer meetings, worship times. We were known as the singing church and named that by the Catholic church because we could be heard from the Catholic church singing in that church. The worship was massive. Youth ministry, church services, man. It was just exciting times, epic times to be part of it. It became obvious to the leadership that if we had a bigger premises, um, we could create more room for the congregation to grow into. And so we started looking for this premises. And for some reason, it took a little while for us just to look across the road because there was this big open vacant lot here. I think maybe it was too expensive initially was to even conceive of having this, this property. And so we looked around, but finally we recognized, hey, next door, across the road, there's this property. Um, we took a while. We eventually bought the land, completed the building. And so the big day finally arrived. It's captured by this picture. It finally arrived, and the plan was to march as a church with a cross carried in front of us. There was a cross in the old church, uh, a wooden cross that was up on the wall, um, and that was going to go in front of us, and it was carried by one of our deacons in front of the crowd from the old premises to the new. And I remember that day as if it was yesterday. Uh, I remember standing next to the church, getting ready to do this big walk across. Lots of excitement in the crowd, as you can imagine. We're going to a new home, new, new home, so to speak. And uh, about 250 people had gathered is, is what I can remember. Maybe it was more, maybe it was less. Um, the police had asked to create a break in the traffic so we could do this procession across because we wanted to make it momentous. 
And so it was a big moment for everybody. And slowly but surely, at a, oh yeah, sorry, there's a bagpipes in front. Uh, Andy Luke, the senior pastor at the time, loved that kind of thing. Not so much my cup of tea, but there he was, you know, bagpipes in front. And, and the music started, and slowly but surely, the crowd began to leave the old building and symbolically to move towards a new chapter in the church's history. And it was a big moment, if I haven't said that before. And as the crowd started to move across and to, to kind of cross into this new, new zone, someone turned to me and said, Rich, please can you lock up the old church? And I'd be like, okay. You know, being the youth pastor, you just say, yes, sir, no, sir, anything you say, sir. So I, didn't even, I wasn't even part of the walk. You don't see me in that crowd anywhere, do you? Because I was locking up downstairs at the time and the toilets and whatnot. Anyway, it was a glorious moment. It was a, it was a God-given moment, a, a massive sense of, yes, God is moving in our church. God is blessing our church. It was a beautiful moment. May we never forget that truth, though, folk. May we never forget the truth that it is God who builds the church. It is God, it is His story that is created ultimately through what happens in churches. It is Him that, that builds the church. It's not our strategic abilities, our, our presentation abilities. It's nothing like that. It is God, the Spirit of God, that builds the church. In these times of lockdown, in diminished numbers in the church building, the frustration that sometimes, and disappointment sometimes that we feel in that, let us remember that it is God, at the end of the day, who builds the church. End of story. And the big question we might want to ask, and I've heard it being murmured in some corners of our church, is why have we not built a, sing, a bigger sanctuary in the last 20 years? Or to put it another way, is God still building this church? Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, Andres speaks to this. Remember that passage. <clears throat> Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, sorry, John the Benjamin. Maybe that should be there. Huh? Some say John the Benjamin, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, massive moment. Imagine, imagine Simon answering this. And what he draws from in, answer to, in order to answer this, he answers, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, I can imagine him looking directly at Peter, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not stand against it, will not overcome it. You know, as, excited, as exciting as that walk across the street was, can I say very clearly that I get just as excited about the kind of moment that Peter is describing there, where someone... Peter in this instance, where someone gets a glimpse of who Jesus really is and his, then, and, and his massiveness and his love and how that, that knowledge of Christ then impacts his life. 
because, and we need to understand it, it's that kind of moment, that kind of realization where a common believer sees Christ for who he is, and when he allows his greatness to spill over into his life, that is the building rock on which this church and any other church will forever be built. That kind of moment. So today on the 20th anniversary of our move across the street, I want to celebrate again. I don't want to stop celebrating. I want to celebrate the epic fact that Jesus is still landing in the lives of people in our congregation in that way. Or to put it another way, that Jesus is still building our church. Praise the Lord. We've got six stories this morning, this, uh, today, that we want to share with you this morning. And you'll hear in the, in the middle of the words, in the middle of the stories that these people are relaying, in the nitty-gritty of what they, their life is saying, is the evidence that Jesus is still building our church. So let's meet, firstly, the six people that will share their stories. Why don't you just keep your eyes on the screen for the next couple oh, of moments. stop it. <laughs> uh, well, born and bred. Hey. Okay, sure. No. <laughs> it's my best. People are often surprised to find out that actually my first name is Michael. Interesting. I didn't even know that about myself. Cool. Um, like, what? We exploring the whole idea that God builds this church through people like you. God is building this church through people's stories like your own. So just before we get to the story, why don't you also just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm really keen to hear what you have to say. I don't know, some random fact. So why don't you just start off by introducing yourself to us. Cool, yeah, thanks for having me, Rich. Um, good to be here with you. I'm Hannah, I'm 21 years old currently. Um, my name is Nando Mieni. Um, I was born and bred here in Durban. Gavin Kruger? Sure, so my name is Debbie. My, my name is actually Michael Baxter, um, but obviously you hear Baxter a lot more. <laughs> it was pointed out a little while ago that I always sign my name with, a, with not a capital D, with a small letter D. My name is Patricia, I was born and bred in Tikluf Soweto. I'm a husband to Jenny. Jenny is the face of body and soul. And I'm married to Du. We have two boys, Butle and Sponga. I uh, have three uh, children. I'm the oldest of three children and two boys and one girl. Um, I'm busy studying to be a teacher. Uh, I'm also the father of uh, two young adult uh, daughters. And um, well, one of the good news to celebrate is that Ndu has just been elected as one of the elders at Home Ground Church, and we are so, so happy about that. My guilty pleasure is eating condensed milk out of a can. Nice. A super random fact is that I like board games. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. I hate board games. But um, yeah, so I went to school at West Boys High School. I studied at UKZ in Westville. Nice. And, um, and many people might not know, but you were my, my youth pastor. Back in the Back day. In the day. Yes. And I'm currently working on the graduate program at Unilever. Um, currently filling a role as the Youth Employability Lead, um, which is awesome and I get to do such incredible work. And uh, how long have you been in the church? Uh, since 2015, beginning of 2015. Okay. And you're a very bright person, I know you've got a qualification. Eh? <laughs> What's your qualification? I studied chemical engineering. Hey. I'm a sort of retired uh, accountant trying to decide whether I'm on an extended sabbatical or whether I'm into retirement. Okay. Uh, Beautiful. 
Fantastic. I think you're going to be an amazing teacher, just to say. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. Just ve- six very ordinary people in our church. I don't think they're going to be offended by me saying just ordinary people, but I can honestly say, in my opinion, heroes of our faith. Very simply because Christ has landed in their lives and made a big difference. Their story is no longer the same because of who Christ is to them. And that's what we want to hear this, this morning. Just a couple of those stories. The first two stories that we're going to hear from these folk, or at least two of them, is how Christ has landed in their lives in particularly difficult times. Why not you watch the screen? The reason I want to invite you into this space is to hear something of the story that God is telling through your story. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey and what God has been doing in your life up until now. I'll say the story that God is telling through my life story is his goodness Mm -hmm. and his love and his presence in each and every one of us, Mm -hmm. not to the people who are in the pulpit. That's the story. Because how I came to understand God the way I understand him now is through my life experience as a young married woman and me and my husband loving God, saved, and my husband going to the ministry. And I found myself in that ministry and I felt as if the God that was preached there was not speaking to the God that I've been introduced to as a young person. And that's how my marriage crumbled. Mm. And I left the town, the town we were staying in, Richards Bay. I came back to Durban in 2014, broken mm. with three kids. And the reason for the, the, the failing of the marriage was through church, mm. which was ironical and sad and I came back hating church mm. but I still loved God and I still believe in the power of the word but I hated everything about church church people church building church protocols <laughs> everything yeah. um, when I came here I came by chance I was helping my my son with the project with a senior um, to talk about things within the Westville neighborhood and I came through the gate to request a picture and a little bit about the history of Westville Baptist Church so that he can include it in his assignment and I met a lady outside who said freely you can take the picture and then she uh, I think it was Michelle. Yeah. And then she was very warm. And then she invited me to church. And I was reluctant. Because I didn't want anything. Church was the enemy, eh? I didn't want anything <laughs> about church. Yeah. And I came because I felt, even though I hated church, mm. I don't want to deprive my kids. Mm. So I only came so they can attend kids ministry and I came and I said afar just to pass time so I can fetch them (laughs) at the end of the service that's the only reason why I came 
Uh, that's how I, I was introduced to Westville Baptist Church. And how did you find the church? How did you, once you were here, how was it? What was your experience? Imagine that I was not here uh, and I was not happy to be here, mm. as I've mentioned. But I was encouraged week by week. Mm. With preachers week by week introducing me to the God that is so good. Mm. Introducing, to, introducing me to the God that is so loving. Encouraging me, putting me pieces by pieces, mm. emotionally, mentally, and I was sitting here listening to people telling me how wonderful God is and how much God loves me and how much of value I am to God. Monto, you haven't just sat in the congregation. You, you've, you started to take initiative. Tell us a little bit about that. In what way have you taken initiative? Why did you take initiative? Front door stealing and that kind of stuff. Tell us a little bit about that. I decided one day that uh, let me just make myself useful. Mm. And I just stood there in front and I actually told the workers who were passing by, including John. <laughs> <laughs> I said, John, I am standing here. I'm going to stand here and welcome everybody with my beautiful smile and make myself useful. And why did you do that? Tell me the motivating factor behind it. I wanted to give back. Why? Because I, the, the church has given me so much. Hmm. I, I don't have anything of value, money, to assist the hmm. church, even though it's painful when I have to hear John, John says they've cut the salaries of some of the workers, but I know that I have something to give. Hmm. And time is something that I can give. And my service and my being is something that I can give. And at that time, it just felt I need to do something. I can't wait to be called. And I can't wait for a, something that is perfect for me, that suits my being. That, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just need to just, just go for it. Just do it. It sounds like a story that start, started in a very broken place, that, that is going through some real healing, that's also leading to real significance as well. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you. To God be the glory. Amen. Right. Hannah, one of the things that I really want to hear from you, um, just because I know a little bit of your story and I've been... Very, very impressed about how God is working in your story. The one, one part that I want to hear about is what is one of the, the biggest, most powerful God moments that you've experienced in your life to this point? And how has that played a role in molding you and your future? Why don't you just tell us a little bit about that moment? Sure. Um, I've had a number of big God moments, um, but at the beginning of the year, it was, it was a pretty significant one. Um, my parents started feeling sick, and of course, in this time, yeah. it's not something you just brush off, oh, it's the flu, you know, it's allergies, whatever. Um, you actually just sit with your eyes wide and you go, wow, mm -hmm. like, the pandemic just got real, you know. Um, so they decided that they needed to isolate, they got tested, um, and their results came back positive, um, and they, they had COVID. And it kind of just sends like a wave of dread over you. 
um, because you you don't know how sick they're going to yeah. get. You yeah. don't know where it's going, where it's going at yeah. all, and it's different for every person. Yeah. I knew, I, like, I felt like I had to put on a happy face because yeah. as soon as I started to panic, my siblings started to panic. So it was two weeks of kind of like trying to hold myself together, um, and then. I had been reading a book, and it gave uh, the one night I was struggling, and um, I had remembered what I'd read, and it painted this really cool picture of um, someone who was drowning, and it said that you shouldn't grab onto a raft um, because that too will eventually fail you, but you need to stand up and walk out of the waves. and. Um, I kind of thought, you know what, I, I shouldn't be grabbing onto maybe friends or family who were offering support. Like, that was great, mm. but they mm. weren't going to heal my parents. Yeah. Um, so I went to God and I prayed and I said, look, I need you to speak to me right now. Tell me what's going to happen because, you know, I'm, I'm scared. Mm. Um, and I opened my Bible and it was Psalm 116. And it just, all the, everything in it just brought me so much peace. Um, it talked about how God was hearing my prayers, how he was merciful and he was good and he saved me from death. And in that moment, the, uh, one of the verses says, let my soul be at peace again. Sure. And yeah. I just felt everything mm. in me just go calm. Mm. And it was God saying like, I'm going to heal your parents. Like, it, you don't have to be scared. Mm. Uh, they're going to be okay. Even even if they're not, like, I've saved them. I'm going to look yeah. after you guys. Yeah. Um, and just for me, I think just in general, um, putting a lot of pressure on myself yeah. to be emotionally strong because, you know, I claim to love a God who is faithful, who can do anything. And then in these situations, I'm like, oh my goodness, can't, you know, I can't be weak, I can't be scared. Um, and then, it, yeah, um, just having God say like, you can be, I'll, I'll give you the strength. Some, some powerful stories of how, how God can land in things like a messy divorce and a pandemic and make a difference in our story. Next two stories are around how God has landed in people's lives in such a way that it's defined their purpose in life, um, what they were born for, what they are created for. Again, just keep an eye on the screen. And I've been in this church for many years, a couple of decades, over a couple of decades. And um, you and Jenny have been part of this journey, this whole journey with me. And I've seen your story being developed through a number of phases of your life. And um, I've always been deeply moved by your guys' witness and testimony and how God is, in fact, using you. So I wanted to create a little bit of space today just for you to talk to the whole issue of how your ministry has landed in your life, how it started, how it's evolved. Yeah, uh, many years ago, uh, we did a spiritual gifts assessment 
I can't remember if it was if the church did it or mm. if it was part of our life group that did mm. it. Uh, uh, so Jenny and I did it, and uh, among the, the spiritual gifts that came up strong for us were hospitality and generosity. Yeah. Um, and so we said, yeah, well, we need to lean into those areas and start doing things along those lines and using those gifts as God leads us. So it started off, we uh, used our house, and it was to provide, yeah, visiting people to Westville with accommodation, like, you know, if missionaries would come and visit or if the church had a speaker or if there was some sort of seminar or course on and they needed short-term accommodation for people. We put up our hands and said, you know, Come, we've mm. got space, we've got a spare guest room, uh, we're happy to host you. Um, and then, probably about yeah, 2012, uh, 2010, my, my oldest daughter matriculated, in 2012, the youngest matriculated, and off to Rhodes and Stellenbosch, and the empty nest came about. Yeah. Yeah, so just two of us in this big house, yeah. and, and what do we do now? And yeah, God does think, because right then, the church appealed for somebody who could host two of the interns, mm. just for a term. Mm. I think there was a problem with hosting these guys, mm. and it was like, it's not a long-term commitment, just yeah. Yeah. give us a term. Yeah. And so we said, well, what have we got to lose? Yeah. Yeah, just got rid of the girls, let's take these guys. Mm. Uh, and so in 2013, uh, these two guys rocked up. The first one was uh, Lawrence from Zimbabwe, and shortly after him, uh, Anthony, uh, Anthony from Kenya. Oh, yeah, yeah. What a character. Uh, <laughs> we learned a lot from him. Uh, and these guys rocked up, and we knew, you know, I think in my heart, we knew this isn't a term thing. So yeah. the term was like probation. You know, so it gave us an art that if we <laughs> didn't want these guys, we could say, we're done. But we knew, you know, if it was like, you can't say, okay, they're now your problem again to the church after a term. And we thought, well, yeah, maybe a year. So we, we opened our, our home to them, uh, and, and they became part of our family. Sure. Um, and as those guys moved on, and the spot became available, it kind of became that was the spot that was available right. for the next right. interns. That's the question I wanted to ask you. It sounds like you've blessed many people. How's it come back to you and Jenny? How have you guys experienced being obedient to this calling, this, this ministry? So, which I think, yeah, if I, I, I use the term proxy grandchildren, so mm. there's a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. So my daughters are 28 and 26 yeah. and uh, yeah, working and whatever. Not married yet, so no yeah. grandchildren. And here's this five and seven-year-old that we can treat as our grandchildren. We can say, you know, yeah. when, when they're misbehaving and <laughs> the discipline, we can Back kind of walk away. <laughs> And, and you'll see Jenny at yeah. uh, Kids and Coffee yeah. with these two running around. Yeah. And, and that's been yeah, just such a blessing to yeah. us, yeah. keeping us young, keeping us yeah. focused, keeping us with uh, yeah, things to do yeah. and motivate. So, Baxter, one of the things that has become so apparent to me in recent years around you and your life story is your genuine passion for discipleship making. And uh, I know that shared amongst a bunch of your peers. I know that is something very particular in your heart. Won't you just tell us a bit about that? Let, let us know where that's come from, where it's landed in your life, where you hope it. Just, just fill us out a little bit around that story, what God is doing in your life. Yeah, Rich, wow. Uh, what a big question. 
I don't think I could sum that up in five full sermon series, never mind five minutes, but I'll do my best. I think that through all of the work that I've done, whether that be internally with myself, whether that be with young people that I've ministered to through the youth ministry at this church, with the disadvantaged people that I've had the opportunity and the privilege to work with mm. and have relationships with, mm. I always see one common thread, and that is just that the world is so good at telling us we're not enough, mm. something enough, mm. not good enough, not rich enough, not yeah. equipped enough, not smart enough, not talented enough. Yeah. And I just think God gives the complete opposite message. I think that God tells you that you're worthy, that you're loved, and I think that being loved and loving others is so fundamental to being human, yeah. because we're made in the image of God. Mm. And to be able to see that in others and in ourselves is so important. But that starts by being able to know and love God. As Jesus put, Jesus said that the whole law can be summed up in, in those two commands. To be able to love God and to love others as ourselves. But we need to first understand how to love God. We need to first understand how to love ourselves, which comes from loving God and seeing God's image within us. And if I were to just try and sum this up in a story that really brings it home for me, something that happened the other day, driving along the road and I pull up to a robot and there's a man standing at the robot. looks like he's begging and he probably was asking for anything he can get. But normally I tried to have some kind of interaction in these spaces and in this day I was in a rush and I couldn't and the light had just gone green. But I see what he mouths and he says, I got a job. And I wind down the window, I stop, cars are going, but I stop in this moment and I said, oh wow, you got a job. And I don't know this person, but he says, yeah, I got a job, you know, I start tomorrow. All he wanted was someone to celebrate with. Oops. And I think that that's a part of loving someone. Being able to celebrate with someone is a, is, is a part of what love looks like. And what breaks my heart there is that he had no one to celebrate with. He, he, he finally had the provision he'd been asking for that he needed, and he had no one to celebrate with. And I think in a world of disciples, we don't have that problem. We have a world where everyone knows their true worth as made in the image of God, and where we can celebrate that worth mm. together. Mm. When, we, when we open our, our lives to our Creator, to the Lord Jesus, He will redefine our purpose in life. And as we do that, the story of history will change through us as well. We become heroes of the faith. The last two stories don't neatly fit into any real character. It's just that God has impacted these people. They've landed in their lives, and again, their story has a change because of it. Won't you keep watching the screen? So key to understanding how God is building our church through people's stories is understanding something of your story. So I want to hear from you. How is it that you came to Home Ground Church, and why have you chosen to stay here for the last few years? Oh, well, yeah, it's quite a, it was quite a journey. We've been to a lot of, not lots, I think about two churches here, which are predominantly black churches, not predominantly, which are black churches, yeah. And then uh, there, was, there came a time for us as a family to revisit uh, what was happening in our lives spiritually, especially, but also in the lives of our kids. Well, uh, the question that we had to ask ourselves was, are we getting what we really need to get spiritually? And the answer that we came up with was that there are some, a lot of things that we're not happy about. For me, I remember that one of my uh, friend's uh, daughters used to come to home ground mm. for, for youth on Fridays. So sometimes she would ask me to drop them off. 
So when we're still trying to think about that grappling with where or which church, then Westville Baptist Church at the time before we had our name change came to mind. So we said, okay, one of the Sundays, let's just go there and see how it goes. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, here we were. The first thing that really I won't forget is the welcome that we received from Janice. The, I mm. mean, the way she said it, it was like she already knows us. <laughs> from you? Janice. Janice. Yes, okay. when she was welcoming us from outside the church. And it was like, wow. The way she's doing it, it's like she already knows us, and and that relaxed us a little bit. So, we, of course, we came inside the church, and then we were part of the service. It was not as easy as I'm saying it, because I think even before we took a step of, of coming to church, we had a lot of fears. We had a lot of uh, anxiety in terms of we're going there, we haven't been there, and we don't know how many black people are there, if there are any, yeah. and... Well, okay, let's say we are already there. How are we going to be received? Are we going to be just one of those people that everyone looks at us? Well, maybe I remember even me being having a silly mind. I even said to 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 do what if we just come in there and then these people? That's what I said. I said yeah. These people just feel like uh, why are they coming here? They come to disturb our peace. Sure. You know, sure. and then yeah, but it was a way of me trying to express what can happen when we are there. Yeah. And how have you found it? Yeah. I mean, I know that it's difficult for in a black situation that the worship is different, the preaching preaching is different. Yeah. Have you found this to be your church? Well, like I think I've said uh, that when we were inside the church, being part of the service. I think for us, we, we forgot about all of those differences because the atmosphere inside the church, the sermon itself, the worship, as much as it was, it, was, it wasn't very different from where we were coming from. But for us, all of those differences, I think, did not matter at the time and even now because obviously I think you know that as African people, we like dancing and all of that. And, and we didn't feel shy to do that and express ourselves in that way. Yeah, and, and since that time up until now, I think we, 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 it's like every time we are feeling more part of the church. Yeah. Right, Debs, I'm really keen to create a bit of space for you to talk about the, how God's calling landed in your life initially. And basically what it's been like as an experience for you to this point in life. Talk, t tell us a little bit about your calling. Cool. So um, when I was about 16, I remember going to a youth rally once at a church down in town. And a um, very, very clear moment of God speaking to me and saying, you might not know where I'm calling you to go, but will you go? Mm. So very much a send me moment. And I remember saying, like, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I don't know where, but I know that God is calling me, and I'm so in. Mm. So I remember knowing that it was real because I had to walk all the way down the stairs <laughs> and all the way to the front past all these people, and I just knew I had to do that. Um, and so from that moment, I knew that I was called to follow God wherever he was taking me, um, and that led me to full-time ministry, which is really cool. 
Um, yeah, and so that was the start of kind of a surrender moment. And every moment of full-time ministry since then has been like the surrender obedience moment. Um, I've been here at Home Ground, which used to be called West Hall Baptist Church when I started, for 20 years. And so I've landed in this full-time ministry space. And I feel so privileged to be in full-time ministry that I can just do this with my whole life. And if I focus on anything else, I can just focus on honoring God's call on my life. Um, and it kind of feels like every day, you know, like that little boy who brought his lunch to Jesus and then Jesus fed the 5,000. It feels a little bit like that. My obedience and my surrender is just like I'm just bringing what I got, you know, every day and then seeing God do amazing things. And so seeing people worship God and seeing people just love him and seeing people healed and set free and God just does amazing stuff that I'm overwhelmed with. That what a privilege to be a part of that story. So that for me is the blessing of full-time ministry, being up close and personal as God builds this church. Beautiful. Dave, can I ask you a question? Mm. Um, if you had to describe what it, what it feels like or looks like to receive a call from God, how would you try to answer that? Sure. Um, so, I mean, obviously there's a lot of people that would say, full-time work is not in the church but they call to what they do. Yes. Um, talk a little bit about this, this idea of calling. I feel like at least for me mm. it was just this understand this feeling like this is what I was made to do. Yeah. Like this God made me, he put me together and this was what I was made to do with my life. Mm. And so for me that's full-time ministry within a church that's not everyone's call. I'm so glad it's my call. But I think for other people, you just realize, like, this, it's my sweet spot. This is what I was made to do. Um, so I, I don't know what that feels like, but, yeah. that, you know, that's it. 100%. 100%. Thank you, Debs. Cool. It's awesome to hear from you. You've always got great stuff to say. Ah, oh, stop it. <laughs> I'm going to ask the worship team to just come up as we wrap up the service. I loved walking across the street 20 years ago into this building. But the awesome thing is that only two of those stories or two of those people predate those 20, days, 20 years ago. Four of those stories have happened since then. That was just a very small sample of all the stories in our church. When those stories, when those types of stories run dry, then our church starts to die. Hopefully, Hopefully every single one of us has something to share about how Christ has entered your life and changed your story. You know, it's the sum total of those stories, of your stories plus those stories. It's the sum total of those stories that not even the gates of hell will be able to stand up against. So there's a celebration of the fact that God is still building our church. We'd love to hear your story as well. We'd love to compile a little bit of a library of all the stories of people in our church and how God has made a difference. Why don't you just take five minutes at some point in the future to go to that link, feedback at homeground.org.za, feedback at homeground.org.za, and just take five minutes. Just give us a little bit of a gist of how God has made a difference in your story and how you have also become responsive to that call in your life. Thanks, folk. God bless. Let's close in worship.